You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, A. Scully and Sitor. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Welcome to After The Show. Hello, Sitok. How are you? Excellent. Good. Are you welcoming me or everyone else? What's, what's the dealio? It's a bit of a dual thing. I've not been briefed on who you're welcoming. Everybody. Mm. Oh, excellent. Or anybody who tunes in. So what is your, um, what have you been doing? What's what's your crack? Tunes in is fun. <laughs> yeah. We are from the 1900s, everyone. So <laughs> you're tuning in, you're dialing in, you're dialing the Don't phone. Don't touch that dial. You're video recording. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's my crack. That's your crack. That's all my crack. What's the before the after the show discussion? Uh, this movie. It is. So let's get on to the podcast. So it's Saturday, March the 4th. This is episode 777 of After the Show, the movie podcast that is your favorite and ours. Is that presumptuous? Yes. Is that the right word? Are you trying to brainwash everyone? Yes. Um, Mm. So, yeah. I don't like it. It's a little culty. Your favorite movie podcast after the show, episode Mm. 777. We look at a movie every week, and this week we're looking at the movie Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. It releases in 2022, or it released in 2022. It's out now on Blu-ray, rated PG-13, from our friends at Sony, who sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk, give us a synopsis of Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. You you think that anyone in the entire planet needs to give you a synopsis? Unless there's something like... Unless they decided to send Whitney to space in another galaxy 500 years in the future when she's been frozen and woken up, then I think everyone knows. Is that like a Barbarella slash Whitney Houston? Yes, I'm saying like that's not this. (laughs) This is just a fictionalized, mixed with reality-ish version of different elements of her real life life. I'll give you the one off the box. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm sure it's not that. A joyous, emotional, heartbreaking celebration of the life and music of Whitney Houston, one of the greatest female R&B pop vocalists of all time. It tracks her journey from obscurity to musical superstardom. Did you feel a lot of joy? I did until it started to, you know, I said to you, what goes up must come down. I yeah, said that. But you said, don't sign that contract. Yes. <laughs> when she's in the album yeah, with that Clive was pretty Davis. Early. Yeah. You're like, no, 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 don't. <laughs> Don't sign anything. <laughs> this is it. This is it. It's all downhill from here. Even if you go to the heights of your height of your fame and your wealth, there was a moment in time when you had already started the trajectory downward. Sadly, that's, Correct. you know, I get joy from the notion of her wanting the things she wanted to sing, to be famous. I think we kind of got that vibe. I mean, it wasn't harped on at all, really, about her her actual goals or anything. It wasn't like she had in her mind, I want to be the number one artist of all time or anything. But the joy just came with like, she's kind of bouncing from her obscurity, like it says, to unimaginable fame. Yeah. But it's less joyful. Yeah, I mean. It's not that joy. We all know the story. Yeah, and that's why we all, I think we automatically start to feel sad 
because we know the ending. Absolutely. Right? I mean, if anyone doesn't know, then here's a spoiler. And you might be young and you don't like I've heard of it in Houston, but I don't know. That's possible, right? Because no. like I said, we're from the 1900s. Correct. And so we are, we're very well steeped and marinated in the world of our generation of music and entertainment and whatnot. So somebody might not be. So Whitney Houston was, as described on the box, the greatest singer of her generation, right? One of the greatest singers of all time. Tragically, here's the spoiler for her, for you. Uh, She died in 2012 Uh of... She drowned in a tub, having had drugs in her system and whatnot. And the movie, and of course, we know from reality that she had a drug problem. And so that is the big sadness that you already know going in. And we just have to get there. You know what I mean? Like, what are what are you going to teach me that I didn't know? And what did I tell you before this movie? You sat down and you said, this is a movie that I don't think I've got any interest in. I don't really care about it. No, I didn't say I didn't care. I said, I I feel like I know everything already. Right. And immediately I was proven wrong. And I said, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't feel like I do know anything apart from she died in a bathtub. Right. Which is the And she had some hit records. Yeah. Which is a sad thing to, for your life to be that legacy. But I mean, it is what it is. It boils down to what happened at the end always, doesn't it? Yeah. It seems to. There were revelations in this that I had to go and check with History versus Hollywood because I don't trust movies with their lies and their barefaced lies. <laughs> so I did go and check the actual real facts and uh, the, even the real facts seem a bit sketchy. Don't, I think it always Don't will. believe the whole movie. I mean, don't believe everything happened here because it probably didn't, right? Correct. And this is from the writer of Bohemian Rhapsody. Which is a similar kind of tale. Again, you go into Bohemian Rhapsody knowing what's going to happen at the end. But did you feel sad during that one? Or did you just feel like a celebration of Freddie? I felt that one was different. I felt sad. Like I didn't feel sad from the instant it started. Mm. I started to feel sad near the end. But I was actually really, it was really awesome seeing Queen come together and, you know, record all the records. But I guess they do that here. The difference in this movie, I think, is... It moves very, very fast. Did you notice that? Yes. And sometimes a bit too fast. I'm like, oh, I was really enjoying that period of time. Like when she did the music video for, what? which one was it? I, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> yeah, I want to dance with the somebody. The namesake of the movie. Yeah, when she did that, part, that period of time there, we kind of rushed through that. She's like making that video, then she's super popular. And I mean, yeah, there's more to tell towards the end, I guess. I don't know. It felt like it was really moving. And it is a pretty long movie, two hours and 23 minutes. So they do cover everything, but there are lots of long musical numbers, right? Yes. Like they don't just show a clip of her singing. Like if they're going to do a song, they do the whole thing. Apart from, I want to dance with somebody. Weirdly. (laughs) They just skipped over that one. They showed her the first verse and a little bit of the chorus, and then they were moved on. But the rest of the songs, there were full performances including the end where she does a medley, which seemed very long to me. Oh, I liked it because I I know that it's supposed to be like one of her most famous performances yeah. of all time, but I don't recall ever having seen it. I don't recall ever having seen it either. I've probably seen clips of it. So what we're talking about is I believe at the Grammys in 1994, she performed a medley that was, I mean, in the movie we're led to believe that it's like a... An impossible hard singer. Mode. Yeah, like hard mode for any <laughs> singer. And then she does it. And my interpretation 
of why that became such a thing in the movie is because near the end, we see that we get a glimpse of it in the beginning. So we flash forward, we go back. You kind of forget about that. So the movie opens with her walking on stage that day. Yeah. For the 1994 performance. That doesn't happen. Then we see go back and from the time she gets famous and then we move forward past the 1994 and blah, blah, blah. And to sadly the downfall of things we're led to believe, you know, she's remembering that. And I got the vibe that that's the peak of it all. That was the moment she can never live up to ever again. You know, like that's that was it. And so we frame the movie around that performance. And I had never I don't think I'm probably seeing it in clips and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've seen like maybe one of the songs. She does two, three. Oh, three. Yeah, she does mm-hmm. do three. The first one's pretty short, but yeah, they're big blockbuster songs and they they frame it in this movie, like you say, as it's the hardest thing any singer could do. Here's the thing on all those shows like American Idol and Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, why would anyone ever? I know yeah. people try to do those songs. Why Why would you do that? I understand that there might be another Whitney in the world, right? There might be. Is Has there been? No. <laughs> so if you're going on any of those shows. So you come on one of those shows and you <laughs> sing that, and then Simon Cowell says, <laughs> you're I'm no not Whitney. being funny, but you know Whitney Houston. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't even. <laughs> I'm not saying don't try, but just expect whatever, whatever's going to come from yeah. it. Yeah, why if there's the like the ultimate singer, why even try to emulate it? <laughs> Unless you feel somebody can someday, right? Maybe, maybe someday somebody can. Well, maybe you feel you're the ultimate singer. Maybe that's probably it. Delusion. I mean, she was right. She can't be the only one. No, but still, think it through. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing: if Whitney Houston was unknown and she went on American Idol, would she get through? These days, yeah. that's a good question. Good question. The one thing I said to you about this movie is it feels kind of surface level, like it doesn't really dig into the deep drama. It's just kind of, I feel like we're just like on the surface of everything, Mm -hmm. including a relationship with Bobby Brown, which they show it and they show that he's kind of cocky, but they don't really like dig into it much, do they? They I don't think you have to. I think it's very clear. Just because like you should come into it already knowing. No, like you... We all understand what it means to be in a relationship that is not healthy. Now, I don't know anything about Bobby Brown, so I'm not slagging him off. I'm just saying. The movie doesn't. We have enough proof in the world of real life problems with that relationship, right? So we all know that. I don't think you need to dig into any more than the two to three different incidents where he's confronting Robin and where he's confronting her. And she's saying, like, get out. We only need a little bit. That that also doesn't define her, you right. know, having a shitty relationship doesn't can't be the defining thing of your life. And yet people will think of that, too, won't they? As like a thing. Yeah. The surprise element to me for this movie was that she had a relationship with um, a girl called Robin at the beginning of the movie. But then like that relationship um, turned into Robin being a business manager for many years. Creative manager. Yeah, and I didn't know nothing about her because nope. I'm, I'm not like a follower of Whitney Houston. Nope, I knew nothing of that relationship. So that was the thing. I was like, oh, I didn't know that one. And according to Robin, who wrote a book about Whitney um, after her death, this stuff that's in the movie is taken from that book. So again, could be true, could not be true, but it seems like other people around even said it was right. a thing, right? 
you know when she was first getting into the business and they were like, your hair's too short? Were they just like kind of like surface level implying that she really should girl it up? Girl it up and not (laughs) hang around with a girl. I felt like that, but I don't know. Before they literally, a dad literally said it, didn't he? Yeah. Eventually. But at the beginning when Clive first wanted to talk to her, he kind of was, I thought he was hinting at it, but then Clive comes across as really good in this movie, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know how much of that is real. I don't know. Like he's a record executive, right? So, but he comes across as really, I mean, maybe he was with Whitney Houston because he's a very good friend of hers. But there was never a time where I was like, oh, I hate Clive. He sucks. Yeah, the way that we hated uh, the guy who was in charge of... Freddy. Did we? I was thinking of Elvis, but you haven't seen Elvis. No, there was a sleazy guy in Bohemian Rhapsody as well, remember? Like a he was just real businessy, yeah. wasn't he? Like kind of creepy businessy, just guy. annoying. Like yeah. yeah. Whereas Clive just felt like everything, like a good friend, takes it on your terms with Whitney. Like he didn't rush her into anything. But is that real? Yeah, that's the like, part you don't know. We that's don't know. the part where you like. Was Clive mm-hmm. that good? He's like an angel in this. Yeah, it kind of felt that. Way. Yeah, and this uh, movie was produced by Mr. Clive <laughs> yes. in real life. So, <laughs> Hmm, that's a good hook. He's like, hey, filmmakers, I'll give you some money, but don't make me look like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and don't ask anybody if I'm an asshole. Right, exactly. <laughs> don't don't ask any other bands. We're I'm not just slagging off. To. We're not slagging off Mr. Clive either. I don't know how to be nice about things that you're like. I just find it hard to believe a record executive is so like, I want to go and spend time in his office also. <laughs> I just want to hang he out with like him. He seems like a really good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else you're led to believe about record executives is kind of the opposite to that. That they cut throat and, you know, do anything to get their artist. I enjoyed the ride. I do like Whitney's songs. Do you like all the songs? Um, Not all. I mean, I've never been a, I mean, I was sort of just superficially, you know. I like the songs she did in this movie. I mean, they chose the uh, big ones, right? Yes. There was no deep cuts where I was like, I don't know that song. Maybe the... Maybe the uh, churchy song at the beginning. Yeah. Was, was there anything where you was like, I don't even know that was a Whitney Houston song? Uh, no. They did, uh, like, again, like the thing they did in Bohemian Rhapsody, they did the recreation of, in this case, the Super Bowl with a giant stadium, which clearly was, uh, to me, a green screen. What did you think of that? Oh, no, it was all right. I mean, it, it was, you know, like Bohemian Rhapsody ends with that big Live Aid performance that everybody knows. Yeah. That Super Bowl performance, I feel like everybody knows that too, because I do remember the tracks are wearing a tracksuit. Yeah, you remember that. I didn't remember And I didn't even watch the Super Bowl. (laughs) I probably just, like you said to me the other day, I was watching Rihanna's Super Bowl performance, and you was like, why? Let's clear this up. You'd been watching the Super Bowl up to that point just to see. Just to see the music part. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I care don't, about the football. I don't understand. But I get it. It's a thing. So I've always do. been like that with the Super Bowl. I'll be like, I don't want to watch the Super Bowl, but I'll see who's on at halftime because I like music. I feel like that's kind of ick, but whatever. That's your deal and millions of other people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I told you, I'm allergic to sports. And when some music are. comes on, my ears will prick up. So I'm the opposite of most people who watch the Super Bowl. So let's get on to the cast. Naomi Aki plays Whitney Houston. What did you think? She was amazing. She's a British lady. Absolutely amazing. I would have never guessed she was a British lady. No, and when you told me, I'm like, what? Yeah. She was from um, Star Wars, the uh, 
you know, the last Star Wars movie with Rey in it. Do you remember? I don't. She was really cool. I think she did a really good job here. Sometimes the singing wasn't her, right? We're, we're saying that. It okay. was a lip sync to Whitney's songs. But sometimes I felt she slightly overacted some of the emotional scenes. Hmm. I like, didn't think so. The ones with Bobby Brown, but it might have been that I didn't like the Bobby Brown actor. Yeah. And maybe that was intentional. I wasn't supposed to. Uh, true. <laughs> I think you're supposed to be a likable character. So uh, Stanley Tucci plays Clive Davis, the ultimate record executive. <laughs> and friend. best friend. <laughs> best friend. I thought he did a really good job. He was very subdued with it. Yes. Like, I'm just this guy. She's awesome. I'm also making billions of dollars from her. Correct. Here I mean, I we, not, we got no indication <laughs> that she was being hoodwinked by anyone other than her father. Mm. And they didn't play nice with that, did they? They no. literally like was straight up like, look at this douche. Nick I mean, money. it'd be easy to prove the things that we're seeing. So her father, basically, we see him go through the office giving all the employees. Oh, God. Okay. So he starts a company, sort of like a management company based around managing his daughter. And he gives all the employees, all the ladies in the office, credit cards. Yes. Basically, just like, like here. look at me. I'm the big man. Yes. Here, yeah. spend all this money. Just spend money at your, you don't have to pay it back. We'll pay for everything. So, and also highly like implied that. that he was um, with the secretary there. Well, he was because she was with him in the end. And yeah, Whitney Houston it. said later that she saw that happen. She saw him cheating on her mother and decided she would never let that happen. But then. So, yeah, he doesn't come out unscathed. No. And he is played by uh, Clark Peters. What did you think? He made me feel sufficiently icky. Yes. And like I wanted to smack him in the face. So I think he did a good job. We've got Ashton Sanders as Bobby Brown, like I mentioned earlier. I wasn't actually that keen on it. I wasn't either, but you know. It felt cartoonish, but then maybe the guy is cartoonish. Maybe he is. I haven't seen Bobby Brown for a long time mm. and... I only have a I have a car caricature of him in my mind, so so that's perfect then for you. I mean, because it literally I don't is know a how realistic how <laughs> fair that is, but yeah, we've got Tamara Tooney as Sissy Houston, Whitney's mother. What do you think? Oh, she was good again when she sings a song. Is she lip syncing to Sissy Houston or is she singing? I don't, oh, know. I don't know. And then Nafessa Willie. If you're listening to this and you don't know this, Whitney no. Houston's mother was a, I'm not going to say super famous singer, because if you think back at the era, do we all know who Sissy Houston was before Whitney Houston? I'm I, not trying to be... I feel like we don't. Like, dismissive of her entire career, but I wouldn't have known who she was. But then all of a sudden people say, oh, Whitney Houston's mother is a famous singer, and her first cousin is Dionne Warwick, and they're like, oh, I know, yeah. I know her. So there are going to be lots of people who know of her mother. But so in this movie, we're seeing the mom, you know, she's in her probably 40s when we meet her. She's been around. She's been touring. She's paying all the bills because that's another thing you got to remember about the dad. They have a big, huge fight, the mom and the dad. And she says to him, I'm the only breadwinner here. I'm the only one paying all the bills. Right. So then what does he do? He skips on over to start leeching off his daughter. So it's tacky. Yeah. But no, she was really good. I felt like all I could think was like, who are these parents? And it's very realistic, isn't it? Parents Absolutely. who groom their children to be. And then expect something. Yes. And like that's their accomplishment in life is to have raised 
or given birth to Whitney Houston. Like it's it's vulgar, I think, but hey. And finally, Nefessa Williams plays Robin Crawford. So she was good. Yeah, very good. Very and good. I liked, I liked, I wanted to see more of her, how she kind of coped because in the beginning she falls in love with Whitney Houston and then it's understood that Whitney's going to go and do what they're telling her, which is not be a lesbian basically. And Robin seems to, I don't know, but in the movie it's depicted like, you know, she Just moves on has her own relationships. And so. Well, in real life, Robin's married with two children to a lady now. So mm. directed by Cassie Lemons, who directed episodes of Luke Cage. Ah, Luke Cage was good. So what do you think of this directing? It's pretty like it's what you'd functional. expect. Yeah, it's yeah. functional. It's straight up, but it's also in reverence of. So in reverence of this woman who's playing an iconic person. So of the actress who now is portraying Whitney Houston, we get a lot of close-ups and a lot of circling around, which normally I hate. But in this instance, for some reason, I was okay with it. Hmm. And the directing was like, we want to convince everyone that this is Whitney singing, right? That's how I felt. And I didn't feel like there was ever a misstep with that. Her mouth was always right. Her body, her breathing. So I feel like they had her singing. They did. In the set, right? Yeah. And then just put the voice over. So her whole body is into it. But the directing is very up close and personal. And like, I love this actress for doing this role. And I love Whitney Houston. And so I want to like be in it, you know? So I I feel like that was distinctive in some way. I have to... Add a special nod to the actual quality of the audio in the whole movie. Because mm. when you're in the actual auditorium and she's singing, it feels like you are in the middle of, and she's belting it out. And everything else sounds, the sound was very good. Like there wasn't a moment where you can't hear what somebody says because the music's too loud. Or, it was just well mixed. It was. So I give it, I give it that. So IMDB reviews, what are those? Those are reviews that people like to go on to the little website called internetmoviedatabase.com. And then they kind of spew a little bit of snotty venom uh, because they're like, this is the worst movie ever made. Or this was a waste of my time. Or this movie never should have been made. You got Mm. any of those for me today? Probably. (laughs) So number one. Because these are people who don't make anything or do anything. They just want to bitch about it. So that apologies if you don't like my phrasing, but that is what it is. I mean, they do have time to write, you know, reviews (laughs) and they do watch movies, so they don't do nothing. Uh, True. True. I'll give them credit for that. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) All right. Number one says Whitney deserves better. I honestly never leave reviews, but I just came back from seeing this movie and I'm so let down. What a bland movie. I'm still wondering how it was even released. The film is flat all around. There's no depth. The acting is awful. Not sure how a woman playing as Whitney even managed to get that job. Her acting is terrible. Not even believable in the slightest. There's no emotional draw. The only redeeming actor is Stanley Tucci. Rude. I mean, that's nice for Stanley Tucci, but rude. This one says, Disrespect to the great Whitney Houston. This movie is a slap in the face to the great legend Whitney Houston. It was an insult to her, as well as her legacy. The film was so low budget and the actors and actresses were all low budget. Only in America can white people tarnish the image of black icons and be rewarded. That's a bit political. A little political. I mean, I can't 
I don't know from that point of view, but I feel like it was actually better. She's represented nicer than like media has, like newspapers and radio and interviews and all that. I think feel like it was more like, look, there's some reality here. This lady had troubles, right? And also we love her. And so you have to do it all. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what I got. And number three says, Whitney who? (laughs) Couldn't they have found an actress that looks less like Whitney Houston? Does the casting director even know who Whitney looks like? Did she even look at a photograph? Whitney was stunningly beautiful, but I'm sorry, this actress is not. Dang. See? Rude. (laughs) These are just the rude uh, section of the reviews today. That's your... uh, IMDb reviews. There are some extras on the disc, you know, making ofs. There's about 20 minutes in total. And let's give this movie a score. Going to give Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, a six out of 10. Six? That seems low. Yeah, I, th- I feel that's fair. I know, but okay. Well, I would give it an eight because oh. I think it's really well done and. Maybe that's because my expectations were like, hmm, I'm not interested. And then I was like, oh, I'm interested. Right. Correct. So my expectations got wiped away and I my attitude was adjusted. And so I feel like it was really well made. I get it. I understand that we want to like hand this woman some sympathy, right. and some compassion, maybe not sympathy, but compassion. Even now it's too late, but like look at this life, look what we got from her. Like we've all benefited. Yes. And then she's done. And so I feel like that's a good way to do that. Maybe it's definitely a celebration of her music. There's long. Yes. Yeah. You get to listen to a lot of Whitney Houston. Absolutely. (laughs) So make sure you like Whitney Houston music. I'm not, I'm not, not necessarily. because I'm not like a massive fan, but I still enjoyed listening to her. Yeah. yeah and you're, you're not a massive fan of Elvis, but I feel like you will like Elvis. Right. Yeah. Just saying. Thank you. Sure, sure. All right. So next week we're taking a look at the new movie by M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, and it's <laughs> Knock at the Cabin. Shyamalama Ding Dong. Has he approved this name that you've given him? I do not know. <laughs> But Knock at the Cabin, stay, uh, starring Dave Batista. We'll look at that next week. Movie mm-hmm. recommendations. Hold on, let's go back to that. Knock at the Cabin. Yes. Okay, let's figure out the twist now before we ever get there. <laughs> the cab uh, is the twist. Are you ready? Okay, okay. I'm ready. The cabin Spoiler. door. <laughs> the door of the cabin does not have a knocker, just a bell. I mean, that's not great. <laughs> I mean, it's up to up to like his last movie. Like, it's as good as that. <gasps> don't be snotty. You have no idea. His last movie was pretty bad. You've got to admit. I don't remember what old. It was. Oh well, it was it was fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, knock at the cabin. Uh, my, I think the twist is there is no cabin. The end. Oh. All right. Hey. Movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody, and I'm going to give you Bohemian Rhapsody, which I really enjoyed. My favorite biopic, The Doors, starring Val Kilmer. That is your favorite. Oliver Stone, Val Kilmer, amazing movie. The Doors. Thank (laughs) Thank you, you, everyone. (laughs) I thank you. (laughs) And that was it. You just went on the theme of biopics. Yes. Fascinating. So I'm going back to the early 2000s. 
kids. This is the new millennium, millennium, millennial. This is the millennium, right? This yes. thousand years is a millennium. That's true. With an M. I get a little confused. So I'm going back to the early 2000s and I'm only doing science fiction for all of 2023. And I I don't just pick two. I mean, that's a bit on the lazy side. I'm going for one, two, three, four, five. So I've got The Astronaut Farmer from 2006 of The Prestige. Tell me what The Astronaut Farmer is. Is it um, Billy Bob Thornton? Yes. Yeah, wants to build. I like that. Acquires all of the things to build his own. It's quite rocket. good. Uh, the Prestige, which you and I both enjoyed. Amazing. Torchwood, TV which show. was a TV show, but really good science fiction because it's born from Doctor Who and Captain Jack and all that. And it was really good. I really love it. I would have some more of it. You mean? And that's it, unusual. Did you just say me. it's born from Doctor So born, isn't it? No, born from Doctor Who. Not oh, and you Jason also said Moore. Captain Jack. So Johnny Depp, isn't it? No, that's <laughs> Jack Sparrow. Oh, okay. I'm confused. Do you need another cup of tea? Uh, probably. <laughs> 28 weeks later, which was, of course, the follow-up to 28 days later, which was meant more than 28 days before that. Yeah. And 2007, Diary of the Dead, which wasn't good, but I still watch all the zombie movies, so there you go. Diary, oh yeah, Diary of the Dead. <laughs> I was going through a phase one year when I go through the end of the year trying to watch many horror movies, and I'm like, okay, everything zombie that I can find on Netflix, because I only sign up for Netflix when it's time for me to watch zombie movies. Netflix, I hope you're not listening, but that's just the way it is. I don't do it anymore because it's too expensive, but that year I picked all the dead I zombie. watched The Diary of the Dead with you. Did you? Yeah, it was the... um. It was the bloody found footage, found footage yeah. but it was like POV and it would give it you a headache. Crap. It was crap. Yeah. I mean, I will still watch it and I enjoy it because it's in the world of zombiness. But so there you go. My my recommendations are so much more exciting. <laughs> but not as good. So uh, a scully stuff. Um, I've been playing more Akaa, but I talked about that last week. But this week, one of my favorite TV shows restarted up, The Mandalorian. And we had an episode. It wasn't long enough, 30 minutes. What the hell are you doing, Disney? Make them longer. <laughs> what did you think of uh, the beginning of The Mandalorian 3? It's fine. It's good. I really love it. I know. You do. It's got some. It's Star Wars on telly. I said to you, oh, look, the Star Wars <laughs> is back on. The Star Wars. I love Wars. the Star Wars. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure The Mandalorian. What's he called? Jin. What's his second name? He's called Jin something, isn't he? Who are you talking about? Mando. Mando's name. Mando's character. Okay. Yeah. Jin, I don't know. Jin Jaran or something. That sounds like a I'm pop not that kind of 80s. fan. So I don't know. I don't even know Bono's real name. And you're going to tell me, but I don't know. And pa- U2 is my favorite band, but Paul I don't Paul Hewson. Okay. See, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the Edge's name. Um, Larry something. But I don't know. Larry's Edge. the other guy. Larry <laughs> no, Edge, man. Larry's the other. And they're my favorite band. And I don't know that. So <laughs> I'm not that kind of fan. Anyway. Jin Jaron, or whatever his name is, and Grogu the Great. <laughs> Grogu the Small. The Small. Yeah, they go on a cool adventure this week. I just feel like every week on The Mandalorian, what's cool about it is you feel like they go to like, sometimes they just go to a planet for like five minutes, but they design a whole planet and like they land on the planet and and then they walk on the planet, and yeah. then they do a thing on the planet. And then we never you. see that place again. Like, <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, it feels very, like, Star Wars-y. So I'm excited to see. Also, what else is awesome at the moment? The Last of Us TV show. 
then they're just absolutely killing it with that show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. This week, that <laughs> DLC episode where it's in the mall. Fantastic. You call it the DLC episode, but that's really obnoxious for those of us who care less about the game and more about the TV show. Yeah. DLC is not a television uh, thing. It isn't. In fact, when I was listening to the Last of Us podcast this week, there's an official podcast on HBO, the creator of the Last of Us game. Clearly on this podcast, he's talking to people who have not played the games. He has to kind of address them too. And he was saying, oh yeah, so this was our DLC episode. And then he he went, oh, okay. Because somebody must have told him off camera. He's like, okay, a DLC episodes is like a spin-off episode where you're watching your favorite sitcom or ER or something, and then they go back to another time and tell another tell a story that might be relevant in the future for you. So he was trying to... Yeah, but that's not true either. TV shows don't do that. All you do, that's not... He, I know, he's trying. He called it a bottle episode. I've never heard that term, but apparently that's the thing. I'm not in that world. No. All I know is it's more of the story. I don't give a shit where it came from. Great story. It's a foundation for this character foundational character building, right? Arc building for our character, arc building as in her character, Ellie, goes from being a young girl with Joel and the traveling across and dealing with um, mushroom zombies and whatnot. And this is telling us who she is, which is very important when you're telling a story and you want everyone to sympathize, empathize, or have compassion for or identify with the character. That's all it is. Bella Ramsey, who plays Ellie, who was also in Game of Thrones. She is awesome. She is good, yes. Yeah. Uh, when they cast her at the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know, because I'm so used to Ellie in the video game. It's probably going to freak me out if it's somebody else. <laughs> but no, she's really good. She's really, I can see that she's, well, she has, she said. She, they told her not to play the video game, you know, when she got the job. Hmm. They said don't play it because we don't want that. So she played it anyway, she said. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, I don't think that's a fair thing because she needs to understand who this yeah, person exactly. is. So if the director had sat down and said, here, I've written a bio of your character. None of this is in the show, but this is for you to understand why. I mean, that's part of, that's a thing, a technique. Not every right. uh, production does it, but I mean, that's a technique of writers and directors and all that. And people who play, sometimes a person playing a character has to make up their own backstory. Yes. Right? So maybe Jason Bourne, when What's-His-Face read the paper, didn't have anything, and he just built the whole thing in his head of where he came from. I don't know. This is, I'm making this part of, I'm just saying. <laughs> it gives you the motivation in different scenes. Yeah. If I were to watch the game, even if they're going to change elements, I think the foundation of who she is is there in the game. And that's why it makes a good TV show. It is. It's the best adaptation of a video game I've seen to date. And I've seen a lot of them. There are some very bad ones. There are some medium ones, but this one, whew, it's up there. So what's for dinner, Sid Talk? We're going to have Larry David pasta. Can you explain what that is? It's pasta made by Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. It is not. He has his own brand. It is not. <laughs> what is it? Well, it's pasta with... I don't know what it was made by. It's got a guy on the front of the packet who looks just like Larry David. He does, and you've always called it Larry David, Larry David Pasta. So I bet we're not it. the only ones who call it Larry David Pasta. I don't know. I don't know, but that's what we're having. Larry David Pasta with pesto and I don't know what else. We have vegetables of some sort. 
when you're next in the pastor aisle, just have a close look at the packets and see it's if you can spot past- Larry David. It's not in the pasta aisle. It is in a refrigerator. It's the fancy kind, I in guess. The, oh, yeah, it's the refrigerator. But it was on sale, so that's what I got. I think, the, I think that brand does make other things, though, like canned sauces and stuff. Yeah, like. the pesto that yeah. I bought. The basil pesto stuff. Larry David, look out for it. <laughs> Sid Talk, what's your advice? Let's get out of here. Well, it isn't really advice. And one of my lovely nieces told me recently that she likes my non-advice advice, so I'm sticking with that theme. <laughs> because who am I? I can't tell you anything, right? Mm-mm. I wasn't raised by parents who insisted that I follow in their footsteps or do what they say. This is separate from the upcoming non-advice, by the way. My parents were more like, don't, <laughs> do not do what we, don't do what we do. Don't act the way we act. Don't make choices the way we make choices. You just do your own thing kind of deal, right? So when I think about giving advice, mine's more like, this is how I've lived and this is what I see. And so I'm telling you now that, and you just go on and do your own thing. But this one, I it's got a little tiny bit of advice tucked in there. But what I find at my job, and we all have jobs, right, that we do, and we get paid to trade some time for some money, do some skills and whatnot. And sometimes tucked inside of those jobs is a bunch of bullshit Whenever a new administration, I work for a governmental agency, so whenever a new administration or a new director or a new CIO or CAEO or I don't know what they are, upper management, executive management people, when they all change hands, which they do, they come and go like the Hulk, right? They fly into town or jump into town. They try to save the day on this one element. And what they don't realize is they sort of like break a bunch of shit in the behind them and then they leave. And then, you know, so that's how I look at these people. So they come in to change everything. Because they know better, right? They've got the stats. They've got the data. They've done the surveys. They know how to change everything. And when you say, oh, but that thing you want to change, it won't work for us. They go, oh, and they pat you on your little head. I mean, not really, because that would be really, we'd have to go to HR about that. Yeah, HR for sure. (laughs) They pat you on your little head with the tone of their voice and the tilt of their stupid heads. And they say, oh, Sid Talk, maybe you need to work on being a little more adaptable. Maybe we could send you to some videos of training on how to be more adaptable. (laughs) Okay, we'll just go ahead and send you that link. And then we want you to be more adaptable. Okay, so the question immediately needs to be, hmm, what is it that you want me to adapt to again? And why? And who is it benefiting? And how long are you going to stick around to reap the benefits of me adapting to the thing you've decided that I need to do, which by the way, isn't going to work in this instance. I'm all about change. Don't get me wrong. I love change. We've lived in this house since 2005. I would have arranged the freaking furniture every year, but you are not a fan of change, right? If you didn't know this, Ace Coley and I are married and we live together. Maybe that's obvious. I don't know. I would change everything all the time. I was also raised in a house where my mother removed the furniture around. One week you'd come home from school and the couch would be on a different wall and there'd be chairs all over and the wall, a door in front of the window, whatever. Or I mean, a door, a table in front of the window. A door in front of the window. (laughs) A table that wasn't in front of the window with a big display of pictures. And then two weeks later, she wouldn't like it. So she'd move that around or she'd put new wallpaper up or she'd change things. I feel like I have this DNA in me, right? I love change. I love change for beneficial purposes. I love change for growth. I love change for experience. I love change 
because it feels interesting and dynamic and like you're alive. I get it. I love change. (laughs) We adapt. And I'm using that word for what it really is. We adapt to lots of changes in our job. You do too, I'm sure. So to have someone tell you in any instance, so think of this in any area, not just your job, but if it's a partner or someone somewhere saying with that little condescending bullshit attitude, well, (laughs) don't resist, please. We just want you to adapt. Being adaptable is good for you. It's good for us. It's good for everyone. So join the cult of adaptation, right? Ugh. It just makes me want to throw up. So always ask the question. First of all, you never want to put yourself at threat of losing a job or losing anything just for pushing back against someone who might have some power over you. I get that. That's a definite thing, right? I just don't have it in me to care anymore. But just figure it out. Why do they want me to change this thing? And how can I make it clear this thing isn't, it isn't better? And then if you're willing to accept that it isn't better, but you need to adapt, as they say, anyway, okay. But don't just like, okay, whatever, I'll just be more adaptable. Because then what's the point of your existence, right? I don't like people telling me to be adaptable. Is this clear? So in the future, for anyone out there in the whole entire world who meets me or knows me or has access to give me any information, do not say you need to adapt (laughs) to this, that, or the other. Because I won't. That's it. If there's advice in there, you just have to, you're going to have to pick it apart and like dig it out for yourself. Well said. Thank you. Ascoli.com is the place you can go to get this podcast. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm Ascoli. She's Sid Talk. I'm also on anchor.fm slash after the show, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, anywhere where podcasts are available. We're also on YouTube. You can go to aschoolyascoolie.com on the electronic mail if you want to send me a uh, email which is an electronic letter uh, don't send Sid Talk a, an electronic letter she doesn't want one she doesn't want a real letter or an electronic letter <laughs> and you can also stay classy Mrs. Whitney Houston Aww. Um, and you can we appreciate who you are we do thank you And I'm going to say think for yourself or someone is probably doing it for you.